Welcome to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Monday, July 3rd, 7 p.m. early edition of the podcast. And if you can't tell from my my mannerisms, my voice here, Jake, I'm kind of pumped. I'm also maybe a little overly caffeinated. That might be part of it. Oh, man, that was me earlier today. The, the 5 p.m. coffee is just flowing through my veins right now. I had a bit of a crash an hour ago, and I was worried about where my energy levels were, but... Laid yeah. on the couch a little, took down some water, and and I'm ready to go because this is gonna be a huge episode. I like, I know that the last episode was massive on here just from the the amount of viewership we got and everything like that, and how I think obviously long term impact on the franchise. Leo Carlson is for sure gonna be that, and who knows, it may be immediate impact depending on how Dev Camp goes and depending how he does at um, preseason rookie camp, everything along those lines. And it's still just as uncertain as it was last week where he's gonna end up for the next season. But this past weekend had for sure implications on this roster next year with the signings the Ducks made. And the Ducks are involved in some pretty massive rumors, not only for players coming in, but also there's one that's going out that has become a bit of a back and forth between an agency and an insider. So uh, this is going to be a fun one where we're going to, I mean, for those that don't know, there's the whole Gibson rumor from today. Uh, we'll get into it eventually. But we're going to do our best, I think, on that front to just kind of break down what's been said. Because I think understanding all fronts of that and understanding what's been said by who, reputations of everyone, is important in this conversation. Then making of it uh, what you will from that, I think, is the best way to, to go about this. Yeah. So before we get to the soap opera that is John Gibson, yeah. which, by, which, by the way, is on season two. This is season two of the of the John Gibson soap opera. I mean, I feel like today has been an entire season and a half, to be honest. Well, last last off season we did the same song and dance, and uh, I don't have the exact expression here off the top of my head, but after a while, like something like this, after a while, maybe it's not everyone's fault, maybe it's yours, maybe it's you, and the common thread here is, oh no, I didn't say that, or oh no, that wasn't me. And anyway, I'll leave it at that. We'll get into the Gibson. Uh, uh, snafu, debacle, kerfuffle, uh, whatever you want to call it. We'll, we'll get into it. But let's start with this, because I think this is a much more interesting and fun topic, which is free agency. Yes. Ju- July 1st. Uh, yeah. We were really wondering which direction Pat Verbeek would go. We were really wondering, because I think that we've kind of, I don't want to say downplayed free agency this year. Maybe we have downplayed it, but we've, we certainly did not have these big expectations of how active the Ducks would be. We didn't really have a good sense of how big of swings that Pat Verbeek would take. And we have our answer. Radko Gudis is an Anaheim Duck, a phrase that I don't think I, I ever thought I'd say. Three years, $4 million AAV. And part two, the kicker, the kick to the nuts for some people. Alex Kalorn, <laughs> four-year deal, $6.25 million AAV with two years of no trade clause and two years of 15 15 team no list. So where do we start? Should we start on the with Stonewall Jackson, aka Radko Gudis? <laughs> the man that broke our Discord at one point in time? Yes, yes. Um, I, I, I made the comment or the joke a while back that Radko Gudis' playoff beard reminded me of a Civil War general. And I stand by that. But anyway, let's let's get into Gudis here. What was yeah, your reaction? And, and by the way, so you mentioned it on um on Kalorn, and I hadn't looked until now, so I wanted to on Gudis. Gudis, this upcoming season has a full no trade call, no trade clause. The season after, so 24, 25, 16 team no list, and 25, 26, a 10 team no list. Mm-hmm. 
So there is a no trade clause on each of these um, in order to make that happen. So uh, let, let's start with the Gudis front. I think we both kind of expected the Ducks to, to try to make a splash a little bit, at least on the blue line. Get one guy in. That shores up three of your spots in your blue line, leaving three more for, for your younger guys, um, whether that be three of Zellweger, Minjukov, um, uh, Lacombe and Hellison, someone, three of those four probably making up those, those last three spots. Um, and Gudis, I think actually is pretty much the perfect person to fill this role. I think age wise is your biggest concern here because he is 33 years old right now. Um, he just turned 33. So you're going to get his age 33, age 34, age 35 seasons with this contract. So not ideal from that perspective, but Gudis is a guy that has driven play in a positive manner pretty much anywhere he's gone. He's really good defensively. Um, he's not like a traditional stay-at-home guy from that perspective because I feel like you, you see that concept out out there a little bit with Gudis, but a lot of times a stay-at-home defenseman is a guy that ends up getting shelled in his own zone because he can't move the puck. A true kind of good defensive defenseman is a guy that is good at attacking the puck, Get it, if he's a physical guy, getting the body on the guy and getting the puck off of him as a result of that, not just hitting to make a hit. When you think of that, you think of maybe like a Simon Benoit, for instance, who is no longer with the team, was not qualified. Um, and so I feel like Gudas does everything that you want from a player that is physical. He does that to retrieve the puck to get it back. And when you look at zone entry defense, he's great at defending his own blue line. And I think that's one of the things the Ducks were really poor at last year on the whole was defend. I mean, there was a whole lot of things that were poor, but they were really bad at defending their own blue line. And you look at some of the track data from Corey Schneider and you look at Radko Gudis, he's one of the best defenders in the league at defending his own blue line and having carries against, chances against from carries. Um, he's really, really good at that. And so I think that's the biggest benefit for him. He's going to bring this... Um, Solid person on the blue line to, if you want to pair him with an Olin Zellweger, you can, and he's going to be able to make up for if Zellweger jumps up into the play. And so some people may look at, at Gudis and say, oh, he's just a physical guy, has a reputation of being a poor, poor defenseman, all these things, more reputation based. And that couldn't be farther from the case. Like he is actually very good analytically. You can have some concerns about him and how he's going to age. But I think in a three-year deal, I would have preferred two. But that extra year, maybe you're able to move him at that point. Maybe there's an injury and he goes on LTIR. There's a whole lot of things there. But I think for the most part, three years is as far as I would have gone with this contract. And that's what Pat Verbeek did. And this is a really good addition to the blue line. And add some leadership if you if that is something that you care about. And that's something Pat Verbeek clearly did identify as being a big thing as getting guys for the room. Yeah, they needed to add another defenseman because I don't think there was a world in which you could trot out basically all young defensemen next season, especially, which we haven't talked about, but Kevin Shattenkirk within the last week went from being seemingly a lock to coming of coming back to oh, yeah. a Boston Bruin. And so Kevin Shattenkirk leaving basically opened up this right, uh, right side spot for Radko Gudis. And now that he's here, you touched on it. He's so good defensively, but he's also a guy who can... You, you pointed to the tracking data who can join the rush. He's yes. actually very involved there. Part of that could be the fact that Florida plays a very unique system, but he's a guy who's creating offense as well. And I think that that's, that's the perfect blend to me because another name that was thrown out there was Carson Soucy, who is younger and he's, you know, he's, he's not necessarily going to decline as much over his contract that he got from, I can't remember who right now, but 
he was more of a defensive specialist and there wasn't as much indication that he could bring that offensive element. And I do think that this may not have been something Pat Verbeek thought about. Maybe he honed in more on the, the grit, the leadership, what have you. But the way that the Ducks could end up playing, especially with all those young bodies back there, is they're going to be fast. I think they're going to be up-tempo, or at least that's just what those names indicate to me. You know, Fowler, Drysdale, Selweger is going to be probably in the NHL. Mitchukov, when he gets up there, there's a lot of skating back there. And so you need someone that can keep up as well. And so the fact that Gudis is coming from a very high-octane system in Florida, where he was clearly a part of what was going right offensively, and defensively, I think it's just a perfect mix because he's shoring up a weakness, but he's not taking anything off the table either. Whereas Carson Soucy, again, just not really much evidence that he was going to help you on, on both ends of the ice. Yeah, and we don't talk about the percentiles as much anymore because I think you and I have moved on to a little bit of different things that we find a little bit more interesting to talk about. When But when you look at him from Evolving Wilds three-year play, uh, player card data, he's in the 81st percentile in defense. And while, yeah. yes, offensively, from that perspective, 35th percentile overall goes to the 50th, I mean, the Ducks struggled in their own zone. Like, that was the biggest yes. struggle for this team. They were they the struggled worst, everywhere. <laughs> they, but they were the worst offensive team in the analytics era, like yep. uh, at allowing chances, shots, everything along those lines. And so even if you're giving up a little bit of offense, you are gaining a lot of defense here with Radko, Radko Gudis. And I think that that type of game can age a little bit like I said, the age isn't great, but I think the other interesting part is that as he does start to decline, right? It, Cause that that's going to happen. Yeah. You're having these guys start growing into these spots on their ELCs. You're having the Zellweggers start taking a bigger role. You're having the Minchukovs take a bigger role. You're having the Lacombe, the, the Hellasins, the, the Lanos, this, this vaunted defense uh, that the ducks have built in their prospect system. These guys starting to take bigger steps and develop more and more. And so even though Gudis is going to fall back, I think those guys are going to take steps forward in a way that is going to more than make up for the, the age-related decline that you're going to see. And that's one other really interesting part, I think, about this uh, trade is – or not trade, signing um, – is just from the contract structuring of it. I, like I said, I would have rather been two years. But if you think about the three-year deal of it, it aligns perfectly with Cam Fowler. Yep. Deals. So when both of those guys expire, the Ducks are going to free up $10.5 million in cap space, which is an important thing to consider. And also it's going to line up perfectly with Zellweger and potentially Minchukov if he plays over nine games this season. Their ELC is expiring. Yeah. And so this is, I think, Pat Verbeek making the decision that while those guys are on their ELCs making minimal money, he's going to maybe overspend for a veteran that might not be worth it in a year or two. And as a result of that, uh, or and he's able to do that because of having this young blue line that is going to be cheaper um, on that front of it. And so I think that's an important point here. And while you and I both would disagree with necessarily paying guys as old as Gudis and we'll get to Glorn are, I think there are arguments for doing it in the sense of how the Ducks cap structure is set up in the context of the cap structure that they have. Yeah, I just think the Gouda signing is not really a huge gamble. I think that if you look especially yes. at the last three seasons, he played 72 games this season. He played 77 games last season. He played 54 out of 56 in the pandemic season. He played 63 in the pandemic shortened season. So I actually don't know what percentage of games that would be, but that seems like a lot in that year. He played 77 in 18-19. Like he's, 
he's pretty durable. Yeah. And w- which is pretty impressive when you consider the style of game that he plays. Now, he just went on a deep playoff run and he was banged up by so banged up at the end he actually had to sit out. And so I think that that's that's an encouraging sign as well. But even still, he could drop off a cliff at any and given year. That's just the way these things go with with older players. Let me ask you this part of it. This is something I thought about the day that they signed him. Do you think that this makes it makes Pat Verbeek, if he was considering giving Jamie Drysdale a bid, because I think most likely that's probably what Drysdale wants, probably what's the Ducks, what the Ducks want after Drysdale missed most of this past season. Yep. Do you think that changes from being a two-year bridge to maybe trying to get a third year out of it? Hmm. From which side of that equation? From maybe the Ducks will pay a little bit more than they had wanted to to give yeah. them a little bit more guaranteed money. Yeah. And in that perspective, the Ducks are going to not have to uh, give them an extension or give Jamie Drysdale an extension while Gudis is still under contract. I could that see that. That that ten and a half million dollars that will free up will free up at the same time Drysdale, Zellweger, Minchukov all need new contracts. Now you could also make the argument they may not want all those guys becoming free agents at RFAs at the same time. Yeah. But there is an argument to it with the cap the cap rising, then you'll have cap space uh, uh, freeing up with those guys. It just allows yourself more freedom. And so I would make the argument for doing that. Who knows if that's where they'll go because you will have to give a little bit more money to Drysdale for giving him that extra time. And, and, and Drysdale may not want that either. Fair. Like, like he yeah. may want to get back in, in the game faster. Maybe just take a one year even. Right. And so we'll, we'll see. That's actually going to be a – I'm more intrigued, I think, at this point about the Drysdale deal than the Zegras deal. I don't know if you share that that opinion. But I feel like with Zegras, I would be very surprised if it wasn't this eight kind times, of mega – Like eight times eight this mega extension that we've seen for young players of that ilk. Um, yeah. So we'll see there, but yeah, overall though, what are your kind of your bottom line thoughts on, on Radko Gudis being a duck? I think it's a fantastic signing. I think if you were to look at the, the class of free agents on the blue line, I think while he is on the older end of the spectrum, I think they did well. He's still to get, good. <laughs> yes. They went, they did well to go and get someone that was good. That helps this blue line. That can be a mentor to the younger guys and, I mean, if you care about some sort of protection or physicality, he does add that to the lineup. That's not something I care about necessarily. I think it's more important to have someone with some really good defensive metrics and can really help uh, help your team in your own zone. And so, yeah, I, I think that it's a great signing overall. And that's the thing for me is that I think everyone can have their cake here needed too. Because yeah. whether you're coming at it from an analytical standpoint He's got solid underlying numbers. The contract isn't super exorbitant. And if you're coming at it from more of a intangibles, off-ice leadership perspective, you're satisfied there too because he's coming from a winning situation. He adds a dimension that the Ducks do not have on their back end and arguably have not had because I think Radko Gudis has been better than Josh Manson over the last few years. So all that to say, they kind of get to fill that archetype. They don't really take away from their flexibility too too much and they are a better team next season like in the very immediate future aka next season the ducks are better because rad kugudis is on their team yep. so it's a win-win i really you could have gone different ways you could have gone carson susie you could have gone with maybe even a shorter on with some of the other guys that got signed but i think this makes sense for for where this team is at and look they they kind of you kind of just need at some point we'll we'll get into this yeah, with with Kalorn, you need to pay to be better. Like yes. you can't you can't just have it all come out from your internal growth. And so, 
I guess that's a perfect segue to yeah. Alex Kalorn. Yep. He he is a duck. We already touched on it. Four years, 6.25. I think this one is much harder to stomach from a contract perspective. Yeah. I, I think we've discussed it a bunch in our Discord. I, I think the easiest way for me to put this is it's a bad contract in a vacuum. There, there's yep. no way around that, especially with how we've been uh, with 28-year-olds talking about that. And Kalorn's 33, going to be 34 at the start of the upcoming season. It's not ideal. It's not ideal to give someone for their age 34, 35, 36, and 37 seasons $6.25 million. It's just not ideal from a cap perspective or from an AAV perspective, not ideal from an aging perspective. It's not ideal. Yeah, I think it was three years it's easier to stomach. But that is in a vacuum. And I think you kind of hit it. I think from the context of this Ducks roster that – you do at a certain point have to pay for guys. Yeah. And you do have to pay for guys that that bring goals, that bring kind of upper end of the lineup, everything along those lines. And you also have the perspective of the salary cap is supposed to go up about 10 million in the next two seasons. Yes. I think that I think it's rumored to go up to 93 and a half million. And it's supposed to go up even more next year. I think it'll go up to 88 million I think next year or something like that. I, I'm not exactly sure. I I think that that it's the rumors that I've heard. And so if that is correct, that makes this look a lot better, right? Yeah. Because as that money goes up, that makes this a lot easier to stomach. And essentially what you're doing is you're overpaying from a percentage of cap perspective for the mm-hmm. first year of the deal when the cap is lower and the Ducks have the cap space right now to work with. Yeah. The Ducks aren't going to be cap tight this year, even if they go out and uh, even if after the, the Zegris Terry Drysdale extension, even if somehow they go out and get Alex to Brinkat, because most likely they're going to move on from guys also. Most likely Adam Henrique might be gone in the future. Most likely, I mean, with we'll get into Jack it, but John, John Gibson could be gone Yeah. also. Like, <laughs> that that frees up a bunch of cap space. And so there are ways to free up cap space even if they make all these moves where the cap is not going to be a concern this year. The concern is the age three or, or the second year, third year, fourth year, and the percentage of cap there. Yeah. And... So with the cap rising, that makes that a little bit easier to stomach. And then the other part is the age of it. And so for those that don't know, we haven't even talked about Alex Kalorn, the player. Alex yeah, Kalorn, the I was player. Gonna, I was going to steer us in that direction. <laughs> yeah. Alex Kalorn, the player, is a guy that has essentially lived in the top six of the Tampa Bay Lightning for the last, what, five, six, seven good, years? Good place to live. And has really shown himself as having a lot of finishing talent. If you look at Micah McCurdy's uh data on that where he kind of lists out the uh expected goals for and it's kind of individual isolated impacts for the player and you can look at uh shooting or finishing and setting he's near the very top plus seven percent impact on goal odds from a finishing perspective he's a good shooter he's a very very good shooter and so from a actual on ice driving offense perspective on ice defense perspective more so mediocre but he's a high-end shooter. Yeah. And that costs money. And the question is, can he maintain that as he ages? It's not ideal. Well, can I, he can he maintain it not in Tampa Bay? Well, sure. That That's also a good point. I think that playing with a Trevor Zegers and a Troy Terry, if that is a line that ends up happening, yeah. that is certainly all – that's going to maintain some of the high-chance looks that he's getting. He needs to play with a playmaker. I yes. think that that's pretty clear. I think what's interesting is that he, his on-ice numbers are not that impressive, but when you look at the tracking data, he grades out really well in the defensive zone. 
He's really involved at retrieving the puck, breaking the puck out, just overall involvement defensively. And he's a good forechecker at pressuring the opposition, recovering dump-ins. And when you think just about those two things, forgetting the shooting, forgetting anything else, that is an area where the Ducks uh, have not necessarily excelled over the last few years. And so bringing in a forward who can finish off great plays and who can actually get you to the offensive zone because surprise, surprise, you don't just spawn in the offensive zone to use a video game term. You got to get there. And the Ducks just haven't, both systems and talent-wise, just have not been able to do that nearly as consistently as they should be. And so Kalorn brings some of that credibility. And then on top of that, he can he can transport the puck himself, grades out well there, and he has got some playmaking to him in that shooting. So I think it's just a perfect stylistic fit because the Ducks have playmaking guys. They have guys like Troy Terry who love to get out on the rush. They have guys like Trevor, Trevor Zegers who can do that as well. But they don't really have what I, I guess we would call like a glue guy, a connector necessarily in that top six. I think Mason McTavish has shown that. Adam but, Henrique's probably the closest to that that they but have. Adam Henrique's a little bit more of a floater type than Kalorn. Like he's not as involved, at least just from the eye test and some of the stats. But so anyway, all this to say that I just really, I love the on ice fit with Kalorn. I think that again, in isolation, just in simply inserting this player onto this roster, again, it makes them better. It definitely makes them better next season. And, and I think it'll also just be exciting to see I mean, Alex Kalorn is a longtime Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. He's been in multiple deep playoff runs. He's He's been in every one of their cup finals since 2004. Um, yeah. You know, removing the 2004 one. And, you know, you, you think about the aging curve there. He hasn't missed a regular season game in the last three years. Yeah. And, and that's – and if you go back to 1920, he played six, 68 games. And in the three – sorry, four seasons before that, he missed two total regular season games. Like, this dude – is as durable as they come. It's actually really impressive. So yeah. I think that that gives you some confidence that he's going to be able to at least fight off father time. But again, it's one of those things where you just never know yeah. as players and, get older. And for those that don't know, he put up 27 goals last season. Um, he did shoot 18%. Season before, put up 25 goals, shot 15%. Season before that, put up 15 goals in the COVID-shortened season, 56 games, uh, 15 goals, 12%. Uh, season before that, which was the 1920 season that got shut down early, 26 goals in 68 games, 20% shooting. And then season before that, 18 goals in 82 games, uh, 11% shooting. Yeah. So this is a guy that in the last five seasons, since he's been 29, has been shooting 11, 12% or was more. Was a career 12.5% shooter. So I think that goes to the talent that we talked about or that I talked about from Micah's data about it's, being a high It's hard to finisher. maintain that kind of number. Yeah, if it's unsustainable. Yeah, exactly. Like, like in order to maintain that, it has to be skill based. It's not necessarily just going to be an unsustainably high uh, number. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, that can fall off as you age and things like that. But I do think that in a vac. So I think getting back to the very original thing I had was in a vacuum, bad deal, bad contract from the the contract perspective. I think with the context of the cap rising. I think I would raise it to maybe like a C, C minus from the contract perspective. Yeah. And from a fit perspective, I would put it as a B because the Ducks needed this type of finisher. And I think, I think it's an A from just an on ice fit. Probably. And I think if you are someone that thinks that this locker room needs someone that's kind of been there and, and can really help mentor some of the younger guys on the team, that's exactly what he's done and where he's been at. And so I think 
if for people that think that is necessary, he does fit that mold. And that is something that Pat Verbeek did specifically mention. He hammered that home. He hammered that home. I think there's a familiarity, right, where Pat Verbeek was with the Tampa Bay Lightning organization when Alex Kalorn and Radko Gudis were part of it. And so there is a familiarity yep. there and maybe an understanding of how he was. They were um, teammates as, in the AHL. Uh, I think that they Kalorn said they were Gudis. roommates in, oh. when they broke into the NHL. There you go. Yeah. So they, they, I mean, they played against each other for the last however many years. So it's an interesting deal because I think I want to like the deal from the yes. on-ice perspective because it makes the team better. It does. It unquestionably, con- it unquestionably makes them better. The contract is going to be rough as it starts getting later. And the one thing I'll add is that if needed, there is the ability to buy out the final year. There is. I I think, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No. And and so, which would make it more like a three year deal. Yeah. I, I just, I can't give a kind of one size fits all analysis because I do think that there's just multiple parts to this. So part one is the on ice fit. And like we've been saying, I think it's a great fit. This is the kind of player they needed. From an off-ice fit, you know, with the personality, with the, the the credibility of being a multiple-time champion, deep playoff runs, like, that is that is something that probably this team could use, right? Like, you and I aren't the biggest uh, chemistry guys, but at the same time, it probably matters. And so, yeah. bringing in someone like that is going to help this team that's going to be really young still. That's part two. But part three, which might not weigh the same as parts one and two, is that you're paying a premium for a guy who's on the wrong side of 30. And it just isn't really obvious where the Ducks have a quote-unquote negotiation win. Like, this just seems like Alex Kalorn got everything he wanted. Yeah, right? I, I mean, I think the negotiation win is that they got the player. I think that's the only negotiation win. I mean, win, I which, guess. <laughs> which, is, which is from the perspective of the Ducks need wanted to get better this upcoming season. And uh, so they went. They did got what their they, guy. They did what they needed to get their guy. They got their guy, but it just it's just not a good contract. Like no, I it's just, not. It, in the interest of consistency and having yeah, harped on 100%. these types of deals in the past, I just can't give this contract a good grade, but I think it's a good player. I think it's a guy who's going to help the team, and I'm still excited to see it play out. And there is a possibility, as we talked about with Alex Kalorn's durability, that maybe he ages much more gracefully. We're, we're, we're seeing some cases of that in the NHL. Like you think about like a Joe Pavelski, some guys are able to do that. I, again, that's still not the favorite. That's not the likeliest thing to happen. But I think if you blend these two deals together, what's your kind of final thought on just day one of free agency and, yeah. and, and, and how it shakes out? Perfect. Um, I think the idea that the Ducks were going to try to be a bottom, a basement dweller again next season can be thrown out the window. Yeah. Because, I mean, sure, the Ducks ha- are still underneath the cap floor, but they're going to sign Zegers. They're going to sign Terry. They're going to get above the cap floor very, fairly easily. I mean, there's 6.9 under the cap floor. One of Zegers or Terry is probably going to be that. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so I, I think that. I think this clearly shows that Verbeek wants to improve the team. Yeah. Wants to find a way to make this team better. And this isn't a Corey Perry going to Chicago situation where um, they're just trying to find guys to support Bedard. And there's not a whole lot of talent outside of that. Yeah. The Ducks have a lot of talent coming up and are NHL ready or are close to NHL ready. Yeah. And now they're trying to fill out around them. 
These are not bottom six. This is not a bottom six uh, signing. Yeah, you got a top four, de- top four defenseman and top six forward. Like this is meant to improve this team and support the younger guys. And JH JH seventeen twenty two in our Twitch chat brings up uh, how many been there guys do they need though? Fowler has been there. Henrique has Silverberg, Gibson, even Strong I mean, the Toronto had a good playoff run. And sorry, I just want to say this: Henrique is probably not going to be here after this upcoming season. Exactly. Silver Silverberg, same thing. Probably not going to be here. Hell, Gibson might not even be here in over we'll the into next that. couple of days. Um, <laughs> And so, and Vetrano only has two years left on his deal. And so, while yes, you can say that about this season, I think that, and, and I think the one thing you can't say in criticism, I think the Strom contract looks worse now. It does. But it looks a I, lot worse. I want to see Strom not under Dallas Akins because if you look at his career guard data, last season was a massive fall off for him. Yes. So, yes. all of it, I, I think that everyone's data on the Ducks next season doesn't need to be fully thrown out the window, but needs to be met with the light of Dallas Aikens really ran this uh, team into the ground last season. Yeah, I think next season will be a great test for all of that. I think, though, that now two years into the Verbeek tenure or his second kind of go-around at free agency, this trend of giving older guys a lot of money with term is a little concerning. That being said... The Ducks are in a position, like you said, where they have a lot of cap flexibility, and maybe that that is part of why he's doing this. But also, he doesn't necessarily have to target these guys either, right? And so I I feel like he really, really values this kind of bring adults into the room and bring leadership. And, hey, he's closer to the team than we are. So maybe that's truly, really, truly something that's needed. Yeah. But I just can't, again, for the sake of consistency – really speak praisingly about these kind of contracts, but I like Strom aside. I really like the players that they're, that he's brought in this, this off season. Yeah. And, uh, two other points that I want to make one that I'm for sure remembering right now, the other one somehow just escaped me. Um, <laughs> and somehow I lost the other one right wow. now. Damn. Wow. There we go. There, there they both went. They were both on the top of my head and now, uh, lost them right now. Okay. Um, yeah. So with that being the case, never mind. I'll see if I can remember it after or in a bit. Okay. Yeah. Why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us about something that a lot of people could use? Yes. So, uh, first impressions matter. There are no two ways around it. What's the first thing that someone notices about you? Uh, in most cases it's your face and more importantly, your skin. If you aren't already, uh, it's time to put your best face forward. How do you do that? By adding in a skin skincare routine. And you know what? It's not that hard. Not hard. You just don't have the right tools until now. Clinically proven to reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging, Caldera Lab is the leader in men's skincare and is here to save the day. Use our exclusive code CTP at calderalab.com to enjoy 20% off their best products caldera lab creates high performance men's skincare products and the regimen leads off their product lineup a twice a day routine to transform your skin the skincare world is heavily female driven and has a long long been the wild wild west for men whether the men can't find the uh, right brand or simply lack knowledge and understanding of it skincare is something that requires attention luckily men's skincare has never been easier with caldera lab and the regimen inside this bundle you'll find your skincare dream team the clean slate the base layer and the 
good. The clean slate starts your and ends your day. The face wash leaves uh, all skin types refreshed. The base layer is your daily moisturizer that hydrates your skin and absorbs it fast, leaving you with a matte finish so that you can start your day confidently. The good is your go-to at night before bed and clinically proven multifunctional serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother as well as reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines in every drop uh, in every drop of the serum there are 3.4 million antioxidant units uh protecting your skin uh want to know what that means uh well i have no clue but it must be good though right uh they even have this eye serum called the icon it addresses the three most common skin concerns around the eyes fine lines dark circles and puffiness uh caldera lab is made with top tier ingredients and is a great addition to your daily routine takes less than a minute morning and night and here to reduce your wrinkles fine lines and signs of aging uh get 20 percent off with our code ctp at calderalab.com that's 20 percent off at calderalab.com by using the code ctp jump into skin and first first impression royalty with caldera lab and also ladies and gentlemen it's time to unleash the beach beast within you this summer manscaped is here to help you level up your beach game with their new beard hedger pro kit they're going past waist deep in the grooming game and diving uh in head first to your facial hair fantasies the beard hedger is a game changer allowing you to shape your beard like a true beach babe so this summer let the beach balls bounce and turn heads all over the place visit manscaped.com and use code ctp for 20 percent off and free shipping it's time to tame your mane so say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with manscaped beard hedger pro kit it all starts with the beard hedger first off this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons plus it's waterproof so you can shave in the shower and avoid all the hair in your sink the titanium coated t-blade is tough on hair but smooth on your face leading to single stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time the pro kit doesn't end there though they have created four dermatologist tested formulations for your post trim care the uh first there's the beard shampoo and conditioner you need to remember all your hair is different your beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage than the hair on your head that's why the kit has made shampoo and conditioner specially uh designated moisturize reduce uh moisturize reduce ingrown hairs replace natural oils and promote beard health next the kit has manscapes beard oil this helps relieve dryness uh both on the beard and the skin uh beneath while adding a little shimmer and shine um and the pro beard kit also comes with three free gifts a beard brush comb and scissors to ensure your beard uh is ready to impress so you can get 20 percent off uh and free shipping with code ctp at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use c the code ctp manscaped beard hedger one stroke one guard 20 lengths double duty double duty double trouble Whew. there you go you got through it I got through it. Made it made my way through. Do I remember what I was gonna say on Alex Klorn? Oh, <laughs> finally hit me. Uh, at least one of the two. Don't remember the second one at this point. Um, Lou's asking why does Jake have to do everything? I asked the same thing. Um, but uh, on Alex Klorn, um, there was a little bit of a narrative out there that he adds an edge to the team, that uh-huh. the the physicality, that that sticking up for the team, things like that. I don't. Am I crazy? I don't know that that's part of Alex Klorn's game. I mean, he's he's a little rambunctious, you know, just having watched him over the years. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily call him, like, a super gritty grinder type of player. I mean, there, there is an element of that to his game, but... I remember the second point. I think he brings a little bit of an edge. Just, so, like, definitely more of an edge than... 
like this narrative that the Ducks have gotten pushed around, it's really funny because I feel like it's just become the running narrative, and it may be true, but I do feel like this signing and the Gouda signing are in part a response to that. I really think that NHL GMs hate their team being considered soft. And yeah, if I were to guess, if I were to get into Pat Verbeek's head, if I were to get into the beaker, I would think that that's what he thought about his team last season. Um, here's the point I was going to make on um, on Kalorn is that I feel like right now you have to overpay for getting good talent on the team because of where the team is at and how they just finished. Yeah. And hear me out here. Yeah. And so you have to do that right now. And the the benefit of that is once you are a contending team, guys start to sign at a lower rate for you because they know you, they have a chance to win a cup. You you saw it with Duchesne in Dallas, right? Yeah. You, and you're seeing it with guys signing in Toronto. So on one year deal. I'll push cheaper. back on that. Okay. Can I push back on that? Yes. Go for it. I mean, again, this isn't necessarily gospel, but I think it's the best we have. The evolving hockey projected his contract for four years at six point one million. Like, yes, the six point two five is higher than that, but it's it's very close to the ballpark. And so, I don't really think that this contract, like, I mean, I mean, word this carefully. I don't think that this contract is a bad Kalorn contract. I just don't think the Ducks should have been the one giving it out because I think this is the type of contract that. Kalorn would have gotten elsewhere. Like, I don't think that the Ducks were necessarily negotiating against themselves. So maybe they went a little higher in the AAV, but it's not a. It's not like they went to 6.5, 6.75, 7.0. I actually think the contract itself is is what a fair market value would have been for Alex Kalorn. It's just I don't think the Ducks should have been the one writing the check. That That's a fair sense. point. Fair yeah. point. Okay. So hopefully people are, you know, are, are, are kind of talking out of both sides of our mouth analysis. So. Hopefully people understand that it's hard to look at look at a player signing and just kind of have one broad brush bottom line for it. Because the I think bottom th- there's context. The bottom line is that this is a big price to pay for a potential gamble, but there's also an upside to it, which is that he makes the team better, he brings these intangibles, and that he defies aging curves and is still at least just a reasonably productive player three years into his deal. I just, there is an upside here, so we shouldn't completely lose sight of that. Yep. And on that note, one thing I wish I could lose sight of is the soap opera Gibson V Anaheim ducks or, or Gibson V Sarah Valley or Gibson V whoever notice the, the notice the party that's involved in all of these though. Starts with a G ends with an Ibsen. Let's, uh, I guess let's just walk through the timeline. Yep. uh, Of this. So, this all starts this morning, where which is wild to think about that this was... Well, it didn't uh, just start this morning. Like, if you think about it, it's been reported for no, months that yes, John Gibson wants... But out. this specific saga, drama, however you want to put it. So, I guess on Friday, uh, Frank Saravalli was on a recorded podcast, the Nasty Knuckles podcast. A Flyers podcast that I realized, uh, did not realize it's who it was until I looked up the podcast. Has Riley Cote on it. Okay. Um, makes sense why they're called Nasty Knuckles with and him he's being a, a devil's, fighter. Or he's a Flyers guy, so yeah, 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 yeah. And so there was just this one very nonchalant line of uh, of basically at one point, I ended up finding it fully in the podcast because they just posted a clip of it, but they were talking about Carter Hart and talking about him in a rebuild and how he might hate it and he'll get run into the ground and all that stuff. 
And Frank Zavelli kind of adds in a line, like, look at John Gibson. He's told them, I am not playing another game for the Anaheim Ducks. Yep. Or he has said that however he worded it. And uh, he he put that out there. And so someone brought that to my attention this morning. This was put at 7.22 a.m. Pacific time. Wow. I quote tweeted it. And then it felt like I don't know if it was me or more people catching on because it was so early. It really took over because yeah. you had Bleacher Report tweet out an image of it uh, with the the uh, Puck Empire version of it with the quote put on Yahoo a picture Sports. of John Gibson. Yeah. Like, this became an absolutely massive ordeal. Became a story. And then, basically, you have the 32 Thoughts pod come out, and there's an insert in it on the Anaheim Duck section with Elliot Freeman saying that I don't like to refute other people's statements. Um, reporting. Or reporting. And do you have the exact quote? Because I think you tweeted it, right? Uh, I can pull it up here. Yeah. But, but essentially, he was saying, I don't want to uh, refute anyone's reporting, but John Gibson has not told the Ducks that he's played his final game for them or that he won't play another game for them. Yep. And, yep. Uh, and yeah, then, I'll, I'll just I'll read it word for word. Yeah. Uh, I'm really not crazy about contradicting other people's reporting, but John Gibson has indicated on Monday that he has not refused to play another game for the Ducks if it comes to that. Yep. So, refuting that report by Frank. And then about two hours ago... Was it... So, okay. The the podcast came out at... Let's see. It came out at 4.21 p.m. And the... And the the Kurt Overhart so, sports uh, within came out at five twenty five with, within ninety minutes of the pod dropping with the insert. You have your, I have in front of me. If you want me to read it? I have it in front of me also. I can you you want to read it or want me? To? Sure, I'll I'll read it. You've, okay, you've, you've done some some heavy reading today. Okay, uh, reading sta- hard. Statement from Ko Sports. So this is coming from John Gibson's agent, Kurt Overhart, saying. <laughs> I just love how this is written, but anyway, we'll, we'll get through it. On July 1st, 2023, the Nasty Knuckles podcast episode was released with an inaccurate report by Frank Saravalli, Frank Saravalli that John Gibson of the Anaheim Ducks had stated he refused to play another game for the Anaheim Ducks. On behalf of, and at the request of my client, John Gibson, we would like to clearly state this statement is false, unjust, and inflammatory. Frank Saravalli did not reach out to the player nor myself to fact check the accuracy of this comment. My client has never stated to any member of the Anaheim Ducks front office any such statement. John Gibson is honored to be a member of the Anaheim Ducks and is a committed supporter of its fan base as well as the Ducks community. Sincerely yours, Frank Kurt Overhart. I didn't say that. Sincerely yours was not <laughs> Sincerely yours was you adding yeah. that. So let's just get down to brass wait, tacks. Wait, there's more. Oh, oh well, and then Frank Cervalli. Frank Cervalli Cerv- tweeted or replied to that tweet, stating, yeah. "Hey Kurt, do you remember the last time you attempted to claim my reporting was false? All the best." And he posted two screenshots, which is uh, Kurt Overhart refuting a report that uh, Frank Cervalli had that David Ludwig Ludwig accepted a position with the Coyotes and said mm-hmm. that that was false. And then let's see, I think it was like a day or two later. So that was on December fourth. And it doesn't have a date in the actual press release, but David Ludwig was named director of hockey operations and salary cap com- compliance for the Coyotes. Yeah. Ba- basically, Frank Cervelli stating, last time you tried to refute my reporting, I ended up being you right and you were wrong. 
So I really want to get on this KO Sports letter thing and also okay. the timing of it. Okay. So Elliot Freeman has that insert at four, that comes out at 4 o'clock, right? Yep. And within an hour, you have the same report, which is basically saying the same thing that Elliot Freeman said. So let me ask you this. Was Elliot Freeman just carrying water for Kurt Overhart? Well, I think that that was the information he was given. He probably reached out to the Ducks and reached out to the agency, and they both fully refuted it. Right. Or did KO Sports see this negative press and, you know, reach out to insiders to, to spread the word? Because that's not. that's a thing that happens too. Well, yeah, but I just I, mean, I just think yeah. that that is an inference you can reasonably but I, draw. I understand why Elliot Friedman would put that statement out there if that's what he's being told. Exactly. So anyway, like I'm not saying that I shouldn't maybe maybe carrying water is a little harsh, but I just think that Elliot Friedman's statement is is coming from the same place, right? So has he cross-referenced that or cross-checked that with other people, right? Or is it, it sounds like it's just straight from John Gibson. So just yeah. want to put that out there. I don't yeah. know if that Friedman report really plays a big part in all of this. But I think what's just the most interesting about this KO Sports letter is that it doesn't refute that John Gibson has requested a trade or wants out or anything like that. It doesn't say that John Gibson wants to stay on the Ducks. It just says that he's honored to be a member and is committed supporter of the fan base, which is nice to hear, but doesn't really tell us anything. And all it really says refuting the report that he told the Ducks that he's he won't play another game is he said that he's never told anyone in their front office that. So it could have still been someone else within the organization, just not in the front office. All this to say that I feel like this report got out of something that is possibly true, maybe was wrong technically, but was possibly true. And John Gibson is furious about how it's painting him, even though it's maybe true. And I just think when you boil it all down, John Gibson seems to want to have it both ways. He wants out, and he also wants everyone to still like him. And I just feel like we're reaching this point where, again, it's starting to look worse on Gibson than anyone else. And I think it's a little bit of damage control. Oh, 100%. No, and this is the other point that I want to make here on this, is keep in mind, the Frank Valley quote, that that was Friday. Yeah. That was prior to uh, prior to free agency starting, prior to, all, prior to all of that. And I don't – I believe the Kurt Overhart reporting that he's never said that – or the statement that he's never said that to the front office. Yeah. I think it's also possible that John Gibson has probably told that to Someone. maybe friends, maybe whatever. And, and it's it – Someone within its, the ducks. And it's worked its way to Frank Valley because he was unhappy with various different things from the season – wanting a trade like it's I believe that part of it I think the other piece of the puzzle here is that we have now seen all of these teams sign goaltenders yep and go out and there are not many destinations for not, John not Gibson. obvious kind of sh- glove-like fits anymore and so I think the realization here and the damage control part of this is that I think John Gibson is trying to soften that where he may end up playing for the Ducks come October well, that may I think, just I, that I may just also, be the reality of the situation, yeah. and he's trying to soften that blow where it doesn't end up being that same situation. And so, well, or or he's softening the blow for potential suitors, right? Yeah. Like he doesn't want to be seen as a potential problem, right? I mean, I yeah. think that that's one of the biggest things that hockey players hate is being a distraction to the team. Yeah, and if that's how he ends up looking to other teams, that hurts his ability to get out of Anaheim this offseason. And I think the other part is the fact that. 
I think it's easy for Frank Zarafelli to come on and say, yeah, I overspoke on that podcast. I, I yeah. think he, ha- I do believe he has requested a trade, but I was probably over pushing that. Frank that stuck line. to his guns. Like Frank stuck to his guns. And yeah. for en- there are people out there that are saying Frank doesn't know anything. Frank is up there as one of the biggest insiders. And so I think that there, every single person in this, in this soap opera that <laughs> yeah. has, has happened there are nuggets of truth from everyone. Yeah. Like, and so I don't think Frank is completely telling... I think Frank's telling the truth of what he's been told, but I don't think that that is the actual truth. I don't think Kurt Overhart is necessarily telling the complete truth. No. I think Elliot Friedman is telling that same story that's not the complete truth. And I don't know if we're ever fully going to find out. I think, to to summarize all of this, none of this matters. At the end of the day... I think it does I, matter. I No, no, no. Hear me out here. Mm-hmm. None of this ends up mattering if we need to know what the actual truth is. At the yeah. end of the day, John Gibson has requested a trade by all accounts. <laughs> Elliot Friedman has said that. The Frank Sarah Valley has said that. There are so many different people reporting that. And I think it's going to end up where I think a trade is likely to happen this offseason. Yeah, and that's th- that's why it matters. Because now, how much of a stink can you kick up every off season before it just becomes a little untenable, right? I don't think we're at that point yet, but we're, we're, there's there's a clear trend. And just, again, how many times can you go through this rigmarole before you start asking yourself, maybe this is, it's just best that we f- just get out of this however we can, right? And I, and I think that the Ducks are, I should say, John Gibson is nearing that point where the, the waters are getting so muddied and... Just so fouled up that he is risk. He is running the risk of appearing like he's forcing his way out of town, like he's trying to get out as however he can. And while he'll never be uh, to pull an NBA reference, like a James Harden, you know, wearing a fat man suit in warmups to to make it seem like he's out of shape to get out of Houston. I just think that we're reaching this kind of I don't want to say toxic, but it, it's just trending in that direction, and that's concerning. And to your point, though, that you were making, it's still very hard to see how you get John Gibson to another team right now. Yeah. Very difficult. Yeah. Like, yep. I, I, I have been saying the last few days, I don't think a trade happens anymore because the obvious destinations are gone. The destinations that are left, and that would be Fitz, a la, let's say, in L.A., there's, got, there's a lot of work you have to do to make that, well, that, that trade the, happen. The question I have in this, right, Let, let's just work under the assumption that he did tell the Ducks that. Yeah or that's made its way to the Ducks front office. Um, previously, it seemed as if Paverbeek was going to work with John Gibson to send him one of to one of his preferred destinations, even yeah. though he only has a 10-team no list, right? So yeah. technically, you could send him to 21 different teams without him having to have any say in it. And you know Paverbeek is pissed about this. Yeah, 100%. I was at dev camp today. Just hold, he was just holding a stick on his perch. It yeah, was the most w- random thing, by the way. He he was just like came out of the door with a stick in his hand. It's you think like, he was are- smashing up the office after he <laughs> yeah. saw the Sarah Valley tweet? Uh, but um, but yeah, and, and so I I think maybe if this is the case, I think that he may just try to look for the best deal and not actually care about giving getting him to one of his preferred destinations. I mean, what what good? I mean, what favor is John Gibson currying right now by kind of yeah. making this even more public because. Gibson could have just left it alone, right? I mean, I, I, I think that this is definitely, for him, a feeling that, hey, my character is being put into question, and I don't like that. 
But now it just feels like you're throwing more kerosene onto the fire instead of putting it out. And they've been very, yep. it's very interesting how they have not said anything about any, about any of the reports that have come out over the last couple months. But now this is like, this is the line, right? It's very interesting. It's also like you said, or how other people have been saying, it's also not that interesting because it just feels like this has been going on forever. Yeah. And you, just, you just want it to end. So part of me before the, the KO Sports uh, letter came out was kind of reaching that Gibson trade fatigue. But now I'm back in because it's just it's like we're we're, we're getting <laughs> they, content they brought out you of back it. in. Yeah, they wrote me back you, you, in. You thought you were out, but they brought you back in. How do you I think mean, this? How do you think this plays out? I don't know, but here's an interesting thing. Do you think the idea that Gibson was gone impacts the signing of Alex Horn? No, no. I, well, well, the, from, the numbers line up very nicely. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Is that me maybe looking for a similarity there of potentially something maybe. happening? Maybe. I mean, would you do uh, – there's a couple different ways this could, could work out. You have to take yeah. money back yeah. to make it work. I mean, one that was thrown out there was trying to make a, a Nylander for Gibson trade happen. Uh, that would be so difficult. <laughs> that would be. Yeah. But I think if you're the Ducks, you can see how it works with Nylander. You could always flip him at the deadline. You could. If you want to do that. Um, it's a lot of work. It is. A lot of work. But something there. And at the end of the day, or you just don't flip them and you gain the cap flexibility. Yeah. Like, you're taking on one year of uh, of William Nylander. If you're able to flip them for something, that's great. You're essentially trading Gibson for Nylander so that you get one year. You're only getting one year of that cap hit. True. And True. so there's that part of it. Or you take on Murray also to make it work. Like, there are ways to make things happen like that and, and work around it. So I don't think it's dead in the water. I think there are opportunities there, but I think that they just have to be creative to make it, make it happen. That's um, exactly it. Yeah. And speaking of getting creative to make it happen, the kind of other big piece of information to talk about on this show is by pretty much all reporting, the ducks are in on Alex to Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fourth period has reported it, and that, oh. that's been out there. But okay. Elliot Friedman himself better on 32 Thoughts podcast today said, um, basically, more or less to summarize what he was saying before talking about the Anaheim part of it, that the Senators and, and Detroit were working on a deal, and it just couldn't get past a certain point. And at a certain point, Eisenman just stepped away from the table and said, I'm done. And that's kind of where negotiations were at with that. And... Elliot Freeman added that the agent has been given permission to speak to other teams, which I guess now more drama. The agent for Alex Dabrinka is refuting that, that <laughs> he has not been. That it called the, the report entirely false and without merit in a text message to the athletic. So just all the drama right now. I don't understand. I don't understand <laughs> refuting that, right? Like, but like, but, but anyway. here's that the exact quote uh, on Dabrinka to Anaheim is like, uh, Elliot Freeman says, one of the things I kind of had heard was initially Anaheim was impossible um, in terms mm-hmm. of being, and this is me adding my my additional information, in terms of being a destination for Alex Dabrinkit. And then, uh, now back into the Freeman quote, then I think Dabrinkit kind of looked and uh, looked at and said, wait a second, look at this team now, how many centers they've got, and they also have some good young players. Hmm, maybe I should think about that a little bit more as an option. Yeah. And first off, that goes to show this team, there are people when they look beyond the surface of this team and understand this is not a team that's meant to be bad for the ne- especially uh, right. soon. 
and also adds kind of an interesting wrinkle of Alex Dabrinkit maybe considering going to the Ducks. Well, that's the thing, right, is that you always someone's got to be first on a rebuilding team when you're when you're building it back up. Someone's got to come in to give it that credibility, to give it that respect level. You know, for an Alex Dabrinkit to, to join the Ducks roster 72 hours ago or, or before free agency, that's a bigger gamble. But now you see an Alex Kalorn go there, who's as respected as they come around the league. Radko Gudis. And all of a sudden, it's less of a gamble. It's less of a leap for you to do that, to, to attach your name to something like that. I still think it's also a game of musical chairs and just the dance partners for Dabrinkit are just starting to run out. And that's why Anaheim has kind of jumped up the list a little bit. Yes. I just don't know how to feel about this. I just don't know what Alex Dabrinkit is thinking long-term, the likelihood that he actually signs an extension, because that's what's hanging over all of this. Because sure, if you can trade for Alex Dabrinkit with a, a new contract, essentially in hand for him that he signs and he's a duck, like he's choosing Anaheim for the next eight years of his life or what have you then yes, you go out and you do that because Alex Dabrinkit makes your team better and he's adding another highly skilled forward who's going to complement your young players perfectly. But if he's not interested in that, you're taking a risk by trading for him and you're going to have to get creative with potentially flipping him again. I and just I, I wonder if the, if the juice is worth the squeeze at that so point. So just for, for the purpose of this, and Alex Dabrinkit... Um, predicted term and extension or term and hit eight years, nine mil. Yeah. Like it's going to be a big one, but supposedly teams aren't wanting to do that. This is kind of what I'm starting to wonder, because I think if there's an extension in place, it has to be a similar return to what Ottawa gave up for him, which is they gave up a first, uh, second, third, first, second, third. And the first was a number seven overall. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a hefty price. I wonder though that, but I think it, it would be, I think it would be more than that because they were not getting him with the the big extension last time. They were no, they were getting him for but a they year. were giving they were getting him for two years. The assumption sure, was sure. you're trading him for the extension. You're so. I do wonder though if maybe Pavarbeek takes the risk. Is it a Kachuk uh, Meyer type return? Uh, what was the team of my Kachuk's a different category with what the, the trade ended up being. What was the Meyer return? Well, it was just a, basically a bunch of prospects, right? A pick, some picks, yeah. Ross, like roster player. I mean, it, it would be it, less than the team of Meyer return because team of Meyer. It's just higher le- reputation. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think, well, no, no. So here's what I'm getting at though. I wonder if Pavarbi takes the risk. It is a gamble. You bring in Pav, you bring in Alex to right? Right. Maybe mm-hmm. the maybe you give up less as a result of that. You don't have a contract in place. You have to sign him to uh, to a one year deal, and just do that and play out the year. And you run the risk of him becoming a UFA. And you're banking on the team being better this year. And this is where you they have to be better. And if they are, and if he can, and if DeBrinket sees everything that's around him, and then signs an extension off of that. But if things go awry, you flip them at the deadline. Sure, you you've lost some you're, of the. You're not the, recouping the value. I don't. No, think. you're not going to be able to recoup the whole value. But you took that risk to improve your team. Is it a gamble you would make if he if there's no extension in place? I think I would. 
I think I would from the perspective of the age represents the Ducks core. I there's think also it, th- there's I no. Think, mm-hmm. I think I don't think the Ducks have that in their system either. Well, that's the thing. Outside of Leo Carlson, who's coming up, there's no other real sure thing up front. Alex DeBrinket is that at this point. You need proven talent up front. You need to add to that forward group because the blue line appears set, at least just structurally. We'll see how good it ends up being, but it, it seems like that box has been mostly checked. Up front, though, I still have a lot of questions, and Alex DeBrinket makes you so much more dynamic. I think he's worth the money, worth the term. It's a big risk, though. It's yep. a big risk, especially, you know, let's say that they have to give up their their first-round pick next year. You know, I mean, what if the Ducks are bad again, and what if you didn't get to protect it as much as you'd like? There's downside for sure, but I also think that the Ducks, like you've kind of been talking around, they're at the point where they kind of have to, like, you got to start making moves. You got to start doing something to move the ball downfield because they can't they can't have another year like they just had. They can't have anything close to that. I'm not saying they got to make the playoffs, but they just have to be an obviously competitive team. Whether that means you're slightly out of the playoffs or you hung around, but there's got to be an improvement and DeBrinket gives you that. Yeah, exactly. And so I think I would run that risk. I think this is going to be fascinating to see. Yeah. Because the concern is cap flexibility for me. That That's the biggest concern. Is DeBrinket mm-hmm. worth that contract that he's going to get? I think I so. I think if you move Gibson, I think that you make this work easily from a cap perspective long term. Uh-huh. I think that that is the beauty in getting rid of Gibson is that you're gaining the cap flexibility. Well, assuming there. that you're getting rid of him without any retention. Or something to think about. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a fascinating little buzz. I, I think... We said this last summer about a couple of the different moves the Ducks ended up not being able to pull off from a, a signing perspective. But it shows Pat Verbeek is identifying good players and willing and understanding the eight, like outside of, I guess you could say the Gudis and Kalor and the two signings that have happened. But he's looking at a guy to support his core long term. Yeah. And be that. And so I think that's fascinating. I also think this can kind of put to bed the idea that Pat Verbeek doesn't like shorter guys. <laughs> right yeah yeah i mean if they have interest in him clearly they're not allergic to guys under six foot i mean yeah alex DeBrinket is five seven yeah. alex DeBrinket is potentially as tall as i am which is not very tall so interesting interesting yeah. but i don't necessarily know how to fully feel about that quite yet i think that we need more information and it just still feels like to make it work absent an extension because here's the thing we saw the list of teams that alex DeBrinket wanted to go to and what do they have in, all in common? Teams in the south of the U.S., a lot of them without any income tax, right? Well, Calif- supposedly he wants to be in the U.S. just for easier, for family stuff, things like so that. So you can check that box with the Anaheim Ducks, but you're mm-hmm. not you're not checking the income tax-free box. How much that mattered to him, really, we don't know. Maybe it, was, it wasn't necessarily about that. Maybe it was just about watching the playoffs and basically seeing which teams were still in it. But if, he, if, if maybe that's what it was about and the competitive aspect – there's a great case to be made that within the next two years, the Ducks are going to be a much more competitive team. And maybe part of him is feeling a little burned because he just went to an Ottawa tweet, Ottawa team where that was kind of the hope and they didn't do that this year. So who knows? Like it's just a very multi-layered situation. Yep. All right. Want to start getting into questions? We're an hour in. So, I mean, an hour given everything we had to talk about yeah. feels pretty good. Yeah. That's going to be a long one. 
but that's why we started at seven. All right, so we're going to start with our Discord. So D Frenzy starts us off. Uh, this was last Friday, so before free agency, but had put uh, – I'm honestly starting to sour on Pat Verbeek a little bit. Do you think he's done a good job so far? I just really think not qualifying Milano or Comtois is him missing on the fringes. And even though Carlson could be good or, or as good or better than Fantilli, early returns is that as a miss too. Um, real quick context on the Carlson thing. Yeah. There was a report that came out from a podcast that uh, uh, is from the, uh, what is it? Columbus Dispatch? Who's the main beat guy for Columbus? Oh, Portsline. Portsline. Yeah, and I think Portsline said that the Blue Jacks were trying to move up, and if they did, they were going to take Carlson. Huh. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Because, I mean, again, that just furthers the notion that with so many people thinking on the outside that this was a slam dunk. Cannon presum- Fodder podcast is the podcast from Stephen Fabrizio in our YouTube chat. Just that the presumption was that Fantilli was the clear cut number two. I mean, you have a, first off, he didn't go number two and you have the team number three that wanted him at number two. And, so. and Aaron Teets, the, the president uh, for the ducks uh-huh. uh, on the, the duck stream podcast said he thought it was interesting that everyone and all the public data and all that stuff had, Fantilli first or Fantilli second, sorry, because he's like all of our private models and all of the other teams models had Carlson clearly second. I'll poo poo that a little bit because I feel like you, you get that a lot when team X does move Y and then all of a sudden, Oh, our internal data, you know, supported it. Like, but I, I mean, I agree. Like the, here's the thing that I'll push back on that is there was public data supporting Carlson. Like if you looked at, Mm-hmm. Lassie Allenen's tracking data versus Mitch Brown's tracking data of Matt, Adam Fantilli. More so mock drafts, I guess, is where he was going. Oh, okay. But yeah, I, I, I do think, and I've been on the record saying this for weeks, months maybe even at this point, like it was tight. Like to me, it was tight between Carlson and Fantilli. I never thought it was a clear cut two and three. So I guess it wasn't, uh, I'm already spacing on his name, from uh, the Columbus Dispatch. Who, who did you say again? Portsline. It wasn't Portsline. It was uh, the Columbus Dispatch beat reporter Brian Hedger. Okay. Is who spoke I've, on the podcast. I've heard that name. But still. So a yeah. beat reporter for the team reported that they were going to trade up uh, to get uh, Leo Carlson. So, uh, But do you think, Ver- to, to get back to the question, do you think Verbeek's done a good job so far? He's done a lot of things that I wouldn't do. Has he been a net positive? I'll go with yes. Yeah. I just don't I, know if he's breaking above average that much. I also think we're starting to see, and I think Milano's the biggest miss. I don't I don't love this kind of preference, though. Like, it's becoming very obvious, this preference towards, like, grittier guys, you know, taller guys. Like, it's a lot of Murray-esque preferences. Fair. And... Part of that could just be, well, this is what the team is currently missing, right? Maybe if it was a bunch of slow, lumbering guys in the team that he would be adding in skill. So I don't want to necessarily be the one to say Paverbeek has a a type for sure, but I just think that the the body of evidence is starting to grow a little bit, and I don't don't love it entirely. Although I do like the draft that they just had overall. The the draft was good, and Leo Carlson is a fantastic pick. Yeah, so, I mean, Mitch Brown even said uh, on the PDO cast that, he yeah. really, really liked this draft from the Ducks. Yeah. Um, he could see what they're doing, even if he could maybe quibble about some of the picks here and there. Overall, the strategy they had was really, really good coming out of this draft. Um, Agreed. Chose Peterson said, what do you think about, or both think about this potential Gibson trade? Gibson at 50% retained and a second for Vanacek and Holtz. 
I don't think that uh, the Devils do that. <laughs> I don't think they do that. I would run run to the bank with that deal, though. Yeah, if you can get their best forward prospect uh, for John Gibson, basically, uh, sure, you do that. But I yeah. just I don't see that happening. Yeah. Also, I want to push back. Winterborne just threw this in our, our Twitch chat about uh, a lot of two-way guys. Uh, I don't know if all the guys are two-way guys. There are some higher upside guys that they did end up drafting. Maybe of the yeah, grittier Sidorov. ask. Uh, yeah, and I mean, um, Dionicio, I think, is definitely a guy yeah. that is more of a risky play, a higher-end guy. He's very risky. I, I put this in our uh, on our Patreon episode, but um, but I think he played on a line with Shane Wright as a forward, even though he's a defenseman, near the end of the season. And per all the reporting through Elite Prospects, he was the play driver on that line. And yeah. so, I mean... The second round, I think, is the one that I would quibble with the most. I really like all the rounds outside of that, though. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I like the, the Ducks draft from my kind of less informed point yep. of view. But I just think that you got Leo Carlson. And yep. that's that's the biggest thing. Yep. Olaf is Berserker said, uh, if John Gibson never plays another game for the Ducks, what is his legacy in Anaheim? Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor candidate. I mean, I think that they were... Uh, asking for a bit or Olaf was asking for a bit more than that. I would say his legacy was one of the best goaltenders in, in ducks history. I think he just broke in at the wrong time for the team. And that's where I was going to go. Great player, wrong, bad timing. Yeah. And that's completely, and I don't blame him for being fed up and not wanting to play another game. It's been a real rough ride the last few years. So, cause he's been here through it all. Like it's not just the last couple of years. So, I feel bad for him in a way, but at the same time, uh, I don't know. I, I, don't, I guess I don't feel that bad. <laughs> D-Rock, our good friend Derek Lee. Make sure to go follow him on Twitter. Uh, always providing great content. Uh, ignoring the actual contract details themselves, which signing do you like more between Gudis and Kalorn? I like Gudis better. I'm more intrigued in a way by Kalorn because I'm just intrigued how it yeah. fits. I think the ignoring contract details is what's hanging me up right now because I think that I think Kalorn's maybe uh, I like a bit more from that perspective. I'm just very curious to see how this player meshes with the Ducks' current group of forwards. Yeah. I mean, I like both. I just feel like I, with Gudis, I have, I have a better handle on what kind of player he is, and I've watched him more just because he, he was just in the Stanley Cup final. And I guess Kalorn's been there a lot too, but I just feel like I don't have as good of a handle on Kalorn's game, and so I'm just very curious to see how he looks on the ducks because there is a very big question here of how much of his success was due to being in Tampa Bay and being with those players. So yeah. it'll be interesting. Yeah. So I just realized I actually responded to this in discord and I said, Gudis is now I'm saying Kalorn. So there you go. Uh, Jared Kalorn, <laughs> Kalorn Stan said, uh, if Gibson is truly gone, is the Kalorn con- contract fine now? If what? If Gibson is truly gone, is the Kalorn contract fine now? No, because the, the contract is still, not ideal. However you slice it. It's fine. I don't think it's ideal. Fair. Um, it's not a button I would have pressed. Ferdinand said, should the Ducks claim Philip Zadina? Sure. Why not? Yeah. Uh, one thing I was wondering is uh, when that happened, I was like, oh, maybe there's a Detroit connection. Uh, he was drafted by Detroit prior to Pat Verbeek being there. He's got some good numbers, got some intriguing underlying numbers. So why not? I will pass. I will pass on the next question from Ferdy Ducks out of respect for you. Okay. Um, I, re- I, re- I reached out to him. Okay. SP84 said, 
Uh, will Leo Carlson at minimum break training camp and be on the opening night roster for the 23-24 Ducks? Curious about that. Because I feel like if we've seen with Pat Verbeek and bigger, you know, bigger profile prospects like Olin Zellweger, there was a clear plan of, hey, come get your reps in training camp, but we're not going to waste too much of your time and you're going to go back uh, without playing regular season games. Leo Carlson's a different player. Different caliber yeah. of player. I was about I was about to push back on that. Different type of player, different body, different everything. So I would put the chances of him playing an NHL game maybe at above 50%, but I would still bet against him being a full-time NHLer this season. I would say the likelihood of him playing an NHL game this season is over 90%. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a little high to me, but I get it. Like, he... Also, he, check, with the, he checks so many boxes for Pat Verbeek. Also, with the understanding that the SHL season ends before the NHL season. There you go. So that also factors in. Uh, Shake Wing said, "Thoughts on the Ducks offseason so far?" <laughs> well, I guess the last hour and change has been that. <laughs> yeah. But intriguing, interesting drama. Give it a film? letter grade. Ooh. I'll say. Mm, I'll say B minus. B yeah. minus. Yep, I would agree with that. Not great, but not not terrible. Yeah, they the team is better now than they were last yeah. week. If you just look at the team and how they'll be, they are they are going to be better. Yep. Uh, Solani Sandwich said, uh, "If the Ducks make don't make another offseason trade or free agent pickup, what do you think the lines will be?" <laughs> uh, okay, well, is Alex so is Adam Henrique on the first line with with Zegers and Terry? I think Alex Florence there. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think Pat Verbeek may even push for that because yeah. of the fact that, again, like Alex Kalorn is everything that those guys aren't, right? Yeah. So, sure, Kalorn, Zegers, Terry, line one. Second line, at that point, do you go Henrik, McTavish, Strom? Henrik, McTavish, Strom. Uh, yeah. Third line, I mean, at that now it's like there's not really going to be much difference. Like, you know, Vetrano, Lundestrom. I mean, does Re- is Regenda on the team? Maybe. Is Brock McGinn is, on the team? Is Brock McGinn is on the team, seeing as uh, one of the interesting parts of uh, Greg Cronin's interview on Duckstream is he mentioned he went and saw, like, he stopped at a bunch of players' uh, okay. hometowns on his drive. Uh, drive Didn't stop uh, at Kevin Shattenkirk's house. He did not stop at Kevin Shattenkirk's house, but he did stop at Brock McGinn's house. Okay, so let's go McGinn, Carrick, Jones, fourth line. That that's just a, a classic fourth line, and then I mean there's just not many names left, so I'll just go Vetrano, Lundstrom, Silverberg, blue line. Uh, Wait, Fowler did you mention Dr- Strom at all? Was I did. On the sec- okay. Second line, yeah. Blue line, Fowler, Drysdale. People have been poo-pooing that. Oh, I I have Carlson on the third line. Just FYI. I don't. I well, okay. Opening night, sure. Yeah. But I'm I'm thinking like you know 82 games here. I'll, I'll you go on. I'll give mine after you. How about that? Zellweger, Gudis. Wow, daily faceoff has the lines I tweeted, has the pairings I tweeted out, or oh, or, my, they, or mine, or mine just super obvious. They um, definitely took it, took it from you. Let's go with that. Zellweger, Gudis, and then Lacombe, Hellison as your third pairing. Um, yeah. Or uh, what's his name? I already forgot his name. The guy they signed today. Uh, Robert Hag shows how little I care. Se- about that seventh signing. defenseman, Robert Hag. Here's the thing, though. We the Ducks make these signings on the blue line that look like nothing, and then the guy ends up being a regular. Like look at Nathan Volier last season. Yeah, that so. was also Dallas Akins. Yeah, still pass. We'll, we'll see. All right, so so my forward lines are Kalorn, Zegers, Terry, 
The second line will be... Uh, let's go with the Toronto McTavish Strom because somehow mm-hmm. that will end up being a uh, no. Actually, I'm gonna go Regenda McTavish Strom. The third line is going to be Henrik Carlson and Nestorenko. Oh, I forgot about him. Darn. And the fourth line is McGinn Lundestrom Vetrano. Okay, your lines make more sense. I was basically just reading off Daily Faceoff. Yeah. So. My lines are, and the team sounds a lot better also as a result of it. Whatever. Yeah. So there we no, go. And defense. No, no, defense, no Max Contois re-signing. Defense. I, I agree with uh, uh, Zellweger and Gudis together. I think. That oh, would be we didn't mention Simon Benoit not getting qualified. I did at the very. I did kind of. Did you? In, in passing, when talking about Radko Gudis. I've been here for an hour and sixteen minutes, going on seventeen, and I don't remember that. But I mentioned it at the very beginning of the show when talking about Gudis. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. So uh, there we go. Um, let's see. Uh, Appa says, "How will the apology letter look from uh, CTP leads Jake and Felix for immediately jumping on the deceiver Frank Saravelli's bandwagon?" Let me let me tell you this. I am more inclined to believe a journalist than a player agent. But that doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong, but that is my natural inclination, and I'm letting everyone know what my biases are. Yeah. So choose kindness. Yeah. Uh, SES Per said, uh, what does a realistic Debrinket trade look like? Uh, I'm going to throw I, this hot potato to you. I'm going to go with a lottery-protected first-round uh, first pick. Uh-huh. Tristan Leneau. Adam Henrique. Wow. And maybe a, a third. I feel like he's not they're not Ottawa's not gonna get that much for him. Maybe. That feels I mean, like a would, sizable return. Would you would you do that? Yes, because Adam Henrique's not coming back anyway. I mean, I would do that specific package if I knew DeBrinkett was coming was gonna stay in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. The rental package to me is less than that. Of protected first and Henrique? Yeah, I don't think you're giving up Tristan Leneau if if uh, I mean again maybe I'm I'm dipping too much into overvaluing prospects, but yeah. you just lo- you just look at how uh, highly ranked prospects are valued on the trade market, and it just seems like those guys don't get traded if it's a rental type deal. Maybe the Ducks don't view him as that, and he's oh. firmly in the second or third tier, though. I don't know. Do you think they value Isaac Lundstrom? If they do, and by they being Ottawa, then oh. you're in luck. You're in luck. <laughs> you take that and run. You add whatever else is needed. Is it bad, though, that I'm very curious to see Isaac Lundestrom not playing for Dallas Akins? How yeah, curious I mean, am I is the yeah. question. Uh, Jack Jane said, who would win in a fight, Kurt Overhart or Frank Valley? I don't know what Kurt Overhart looks like. I'm going to assume Kurt Overhart, though, because we know what Frank Valley looks like. Wow. He says it himself on his podcast. Jake? Jake, don't make fun of Frank Cervalli's appearance challenge. <laughs> Difficulty level impossible. I just looked up Kurt Overhart, and he looks like, you know, he, he takes care of himself. So I'll go Kurt. You know what? No, 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 no. I'm taking Frank's side on this. Frank, Frank's going to have some of that, that old man strength, and he's going to be able to. He's, what old man strength? He's 35. He's going to be hard to take down. He's 35. He, he's he's going to be hard to take down. <laughs> And I think he's. You could have gone with he's got the Philly grit if you wanted to. Do he's that got type the Philly grit. He's gonna be able. To, he's gonna be able to take down Kurt. It, the cheesesteaks are flowing. I'm just gonna assume Kurt is taller than him, which is probably like not a fair assumption. But let's just go with that. I'm gonna and and then that way you know uh, Frank can shoot for the legs, the the the, the double underhooks or whatever, the double leg and uh, 
take him down, and, and he's going to be able to hold him down for reasons. <laughs> okay. And then, he, and then he can go ground and pound, Khabib style. Wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> Jassity said, what are some specific skill sets that differ between forwards and defensemen? Why are guys like Makar and Carlson not forwards? Uh, well, I think that the biggest thing with forwards is it's a lot of quick kind of stop and go, read and react. Whereas defense, when you get back and you bring it up, you have the whole play in front of you. Whereas when you're a forward, you got to look behind you. You got to see the puck coming towards you when you're receiving a pass. You're doing a lot more work trying to get the puck off the wall. So it's just kind of different skill sets, different reaction times. Yeah. Um, all right. Jared Kalornstan said, if a first is asked for for Dabrinka, is it okay if it's unprotected? If you can get him signed, then it could be okay. But I would never throw away that first-round pick for a rental unprotected. Yeah. Never in a million years. Yep. Maybe in a million and one, but not in a million. Second place, Louis said, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Tacos or burritos. Hashtag Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> uh burritos i think burritos are more more versatile um that's a tough one if you would have asked me five years ago i would have easily said burritos wow but i really think uh i really think tacos take take the cake right now no it's burritos i, th- I think tacos all right i'm gonna go to my twitter dm sorry i do not I have too many mentions right now with tweeting out that quote about to it. So it's hard for me to look at my notifications. Uh, so sorry for people that asked that, but uh, in the DMS, uh, this came from hockey South, big couple of days in ducks land, starting to see the Verbeek plan unfold. And I agree with his direction. What's the AAV number for an extension. If we trade for Debrinket or Nylander nine to 10 million, if that's the range, does Verbeek pull the trigger? Appreciate you guys. Yeah. I think nine to 10 million for, for Nylander. I think to also, no, I think no. Debrink gets nine. Debrink at maybe nine, but not ten. Well, nine to ten. But I don't think the two ten is possible for him. I mean, nine to ten could be nine point one. Well, okay, nine point nine, no. Nine point eight, no. Nine point seven, no. Nine is 9. in 5, the no. nine to ten range. No, because I think half of that range is not available to him. So it's the nine to nine point five range. He if if he gets nine million, he falls in the nine to ten. No, because there's half of that range is just doesn't exist for him. I just don't believe that. Ugh. Deal in All reality, right. not Trevor. Tre- <laughs> Trevor Zebra said, uh, "Hey Jake, hope all is well with you guys. I got two questions for you guys tonight. Uh, in a Debrinket trade, I'm assuming they would want uh, prospects and picks coming back. In your guys' opinion, who is untouchable? Zegras, McTavish. That's it. Oh, and oh. wait, wait. I Selweger. Oh, was Carlson. Sorry." Wow, so those, those, no Zellweger? Zegris, McTavish, Carlson are the only untouchables to me. Oh, man. I'm gonna Zellweger go, is I'm, not I'm, because, of, because of the depth they have within the blue line. I'm going, I'm going Zellweger is untouchable on the back end. Hey, you, they can have a Jamie Drysdale. They can have a Pavel Mintukov. But Zellweger is just a piece I don't think you can give away. Do you think, and do you think Lacombe Perot, a 2024 and 2025th second round pick would get it done? That is probably a more realistic package if he's a rental. So, yes, if okay. it's a rental. Troy Terry's confidence said, question for the pod. When's the latest uh, this season uh, Troy Terry has made captain? Before the preseason games? 
Uh, is there anyone else that you think is a realistic captain option for this team from now through contention? You know what I'm going to say. What? Alex Kalorn. Alex Kalorn is not going to be the captain. He might. He's not even going to have a letter. Ooh, I would bet against that. I think the fact that they love Silverberg. Silverberg's going to still have a letter. What happens if Henrik isn't on the team to start the season? Henrik didn't have a letter last year, only when Silverberg was hurt that he had a letter. I thought he had a letter. Oh, maybe he did, but that's yeah. because they had the three. I'm going I, no, to... but Terry, Terry ended up having. I think Terry's going to have an A, or Terry might just be the captain. Is Fowler named the captain? I could see that. I'll go Terry, Fowler, leaders in the clubhouse, but Alex Kalorn, outside chance. Kalorn maybe could end up with an A. Fine. I'll give I you think that. he gets an A just, just like yeah, by default. Kalorn is not on the same level as Scott Niedermeyer either. Scott Niedermeyer came in and got the captain. Scott Niedermeyer is a different level of talent than Alex Kalorn and different level of leader also. Are we sure about that? Oh man. Are we sure? Uh, I feel like you are the, uh, I think you should leave guy right now. You uh, sure about that? I was going to say, I thought, I thought that, why did I think Scott Edermeyer had less cups than four? I don't know why. Never mind. Disregard what I was. He has about four, to say. right? He has four. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So that's it for our Twitter and our discord. So for those of you, uh, listening to this on your favorite podcast services, you can find us at twitch.tv slash crash bond, where if you have Amazon prime, you get one free Twitch prime gaming sub each and every month. And you can hit that subscribe button and it helps out more than you can imagine. You can also follow and just get notified when we go live. But you can just be, or be just like Dissolvey who resubbed SJ Hawking, who resubbed shoegaze dragon, Georgie, who resubbed betting five, 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 five. Gave out five uh, gifted subs and JK or GK fam C also subbed. So thank you. Uh, thank you all so much for doing that. Or if you prefer YouTube or if you just watch on Twitch and so you use YouTube because that's how I am, uh, go to youtube.com slash crash pond. If you like what you are seeing, please like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live. We are really trying to boost our channel subscription, likes, everything like that. So please help out with that. It helps out more than you can imagine. So uh, we're going to start getting into questions here. If you have any in YouTube, the YouTube chat or the Twitch chat, just please throw a question at the front. Just easier for me to identify, especially on a night like tonight when we have so many questions. Um, Rhett Flo said, question, have you heard chatter that neither Zegris or Terry want to sign with Ducks? No, have not oh, heard that. Nope, have not. Uh, Lewis X 209 said, question, what is the best bit in the Discord in this very moment, and why is it the LA bit? It's not that. It might be the copy pastas, though. The copy pastas have to be up there. Those are pretty amazing, yeah. In terms of the best bit. Um, let's see. Tobias B said, was Korea captain before Scott? Um, it's been a while since they were part of the team and I was really young, uh, really young to remember that. LOL. Uh, Korea. So Korea was the captain. And then there was the one year, uh, pre lockout where, um, where he was not, uh, where he had left. And, uh, Steve Ruchin was the captain for that season. And then the lockout happened, came back from the lockout. Steve Ruchin was no longer a duck. And uh, Scott Niedermeyer was named the captain. Um, let's see. And I know that we've got more questions coming. I just need to find. Oh, here we go. Beat all said, would you rather trade for Debrinket or Nylander? <sighs> mm, who's younger? Debrinket. Easily. Debrinket's 25. Nylander is like 27, 28. Yeah. I Debrink- think I- N- Nylander was the Richie draft. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd go Debrinket and... 
I think he'll cost less. I think he'll he's just younger. I I would go that direction. Yep. Um, and then Logan Montgomery said, whose skating stood out at Ducks Dev Camp this morning? How did Carlson and Dionicio look? So I saw Dionicio. You could tell that his edge work needs some work, that there is a lot within his skating stride that he needs to develop, but there is a player there. Um, what did, You saw the video of Carlson. I didn't get to see it live, but I saw that video. I what think did what you think? saw with, with – I just saw the clip is that he's, he's – I think he's already improved his edge work, so – you know, he's improved his skating already. You know, he's getting lower. He's bending his knees more. But you can tell that when he's just going straight, he's still a little upright. You know, his back is, is kind of arched. He's not really lower in his stance. And so that's something that he knows he needs to work on. But he didn't look like a bad skater at all. He looked like a, like, especially, like, the thing you have to keep in mind is that his size, right? He's 6'3". The fact that he's that agile at his size is really incredible. And so... Yeah, I was impressed with the skating. Uh, Beat all said, "Question: Does adding to Brinkett change Gibson's mind about not or about wanting out?" I just think it's getting too toxic at this point. I don't yep. know what it would take, honestly. To, yep. to, it for him to it come seems back. like there, there's more there than meets the eye, and could just lead to the best thing is Hinting a trade something? has to happen. Um, and then let's see. There was a question that I just saw. Now I'm trying to. It was from this Nick. More or less asking what the ceiling for this Ducks team is this upcoming season. Oh, yeah. What is the Ducks' realistic ceiling this year? What Buffalo was last year? Young, talented team that will push for a wild card spot, but ultimately miss the playoffs. I think so. I don't think their ceiling is the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So, there you I go. mean, if they add to Brinkett, I think that we have that conversation, though. Sure. But he's not here. So, agreed. Yeah. Um, all right, let's see. JH1722 uh, said, question, Bouchard versus Debrinket Nylander. If you're uh, willing to move a first, second, and third and give $8.5 million, why not offer sheet Bouchard? A first-rounder would be a massive – or uh, number one right-handed D would be a massive get plus messes with division rival. I just don't think that there's really a need to pay that price at that position. Yeah, it's it's more so a positional need perspective with the Ducks uh, situation you can, you along can the blue sp- line. You can spend that capital elsewhere. Yeah. So. Yep, agreed. Um, Tobias P said, do you think that uh, Winnipeg would do a Gibson trade for Hellebuck? I think they would do it because Gibson's locked up. Mm-hmm. The question is, first off, is Gibson's no, his Winnipeg on his 10-team no list? Probably. And if you're the Ducks, why would you do that? Not I sure. guess from the perspective of you get Hellebuck, Hellebuck for one year and yeah. then you just let him walk and then you have the cap flexibility. I guess maybe that's it. Yeah. But I, I don't think you trade for Hellebuck and then you keep him long term. The whole thought process of trading Gibson is you want to gain the cap flexibility and Hellebuck's going to make a whole hell of a lot more than Gibson does. Why does Blue Sky look exactly like Twitter? Because it's uh, created by the original developers of Twitter. I just accepted it's Jack, the, Jack the, Dorsey. I just accepted the invite, so I'm in. Yeah, and USA Hockey said, what draft pick do you guys think the Ducks will get next year? If I were a betting man, I would say... Top 14? (laughs) I would say 11 or 12 is where they end up. Yeah, like like no longer in that top five, top three, but I still think that they're in the lottery. Yeah. Or a chance at the lottery. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Lou saying six flex. Is it a flex? I don't know what's what's what anymore. Yeah. Blue Sky is going to be where it's at. Find me on there. Same handle, Reindeer Games 91. 
I kind of hate making new social media accounts at this point because I feel like I'm just forking over my data to yet another entity, but I mean, it's fine. Ev- everyone has it. Uh, Beatall said, question best Twitter replacement, Blue Sky or incoming threads by IG? Definitely Blue Sky. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about threads, and I literally just made a Blue Sky account, so... I mean, I, I'm I just, I just, you know what I would love back? Just old Twitter. Like, I mean, like, that like is th- what Blue Sky legitimately looks three like. Three days ago, Twitter would be just fine. I, you, I you, had no, pro- I had no problems back you, then. You, you don't like having a rate limit and having to uh, feel yeah. like you are having to limit the amount that you look at Twitter, so you don't waste yeah. all your your data to, or find a workaround. I don't want to have to pay just for Although, basic functionality. I will say this: Thank you to Elon Musk for making our Discord way more of a thing that matters yeah because we had you me dajun was in there there were a couple other people in there that we had some workarounds where we were able to post tweet tweets in the discord yeah and basically became a twitter thread of all the information from the uh from the uh free agency day so yeah became a pretty useful place to find out information actually if you did not have a workaround and you had your rate limit met which Let's just say it happened for me within 30 minutes of waking up. Can we, uh, how, how many it was tweets, how many 600 how much, tweets how, is not how that much. How much scrolling are you doing? Anyway, it was, it was the morning. It was free agency day. Can we declare a moratorium on uh rate limit references? No, I don't want to talk like about two it. Days. It's been like two days. I don't want to talk about it, but yeah, sky, uh, blue. Is it blue sky or sky blue? I forget. I, I always mess it up. Jet blue, head. blue sky. Yeah. Sky Blue's a wrestler. That's yeah. why it confuses me. Okay. Um, all right. Anything else? Oh, are we done with questions? I I don't see anything else. Okay. Wow. Crazy. Well, I guess we're over an hour and a half, so it might be a good time to call it a day. Call it a night. Almost a call it a day. It's almost nine PM. Um Yeah, well thank you for listening, everyone, and what a crazy start to the off season. I have a sneaking suspicion that the next week. It's going to be crazy again. Do do you think it's pencils down for the rest of the week? No. Yeah, I have a Do you think that the Ducks make another significant move by this time next week? Yes. Okay. I'll go with yes as well. That's just what it feels like. Too much too many irons in the fire to to rule it out completely. Yeah, and I mean, this week almost every single GM is still working. No one's at a cottage. Everyone's at their team's development camp. Yeah, everyone's looking at their prospects. Everyone's on the phone. Paverbeek standing on a perch with a stick around his head, or pointing <laughs> sticks at people after smashing up the. It office. was just it was so random. Like everyone else was just sitting on that perch at Great Park, and he just like walks out and just like is like just has a stick in his hand, no yeah. real reason. Just stick I mean, in he's his at hand. a hockey rink holding a hockey stick. I don't think that that's that weird. I mean, it's a little weird. He probably got like a sign stick or something, and he was just you know messing around with it like i don't know let's not let's let's not make a a mountain out of this molehill no there's no it was just funny yeah there's no mountain it was just entertaining are you i I feel like kurt overhart's gonna send you a letter soon if you (laughs) you keep this up it's gonna come to me on blue sky yeah or or something i don't know i don't want to think about twitter anymore um okay well on that note if you want to support our show, there's a few really easy ways for you to do that. The number one way is support us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash crash the pond. We greatly appreciate everyone who uh, added to that, to that support over the weekend. Uh, we're glad that we can give you a place where you can easily access information. So for $1 a month, you get access to our discord or to our uh, patrons only discord server. 
and I think it's 1080 for the whole year. Something so, like that. So you get a little bit of a discount there. So a dollar a month or 1080 for the whole year up front. Uh, super worth it. You get access to a community of diehard Ducks fans, and it's just going to be easier. You're never going to miss anything if you're part of our Discord. How about that? I can say that very confidently. You will never miss any news if you are part of our Discord. Just the only thing I will add, be understanding that there are a lot of bits. Yes. And if someone replies to you with something that sounds harsh, it's probably a copy past a bit. Yes, exactly. I, I like to throw in some of my more ridiculous replies from Twitter, um, and we have a little bit of fun with those. So have an open mind that there's there's a lot of humor in there too. For $5 a month, you get access to two bonus podcasts a month. And I forget what the deal is for that if you pay all up front, but there, there's also a discount. So go it's check like that out. It's 54 bucks or something like that. Go check that out. Patreon.com slash Crash the Pond. We greatly, really appreciate that because that helps us out more than you can imagine. Uh, we've been doing this now for, I don't know, six years, something like that. Six, so, yeah, this this was season six. Yeah, so we, we got we to gotta keep things going. Now, if you don't want to pledge any money, totally understandable. You can also uh, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Those also really do go a long way. Uh, just type in Crash the Pond on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating. Type out a review. It takes you know two, three minutes tops, and we really appreciate it. And if you leave us a review... We'll read it on the show, so you get your you get your time in the in the limelight. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash/CrashThePond. We've got the video version of the podcast going up there, so you can see our our faces. I won't say pretty faces. I'll tell you, you can see our faces there. And you and if so, if you're a YouTube podcast person, you get it there. You can also leave us a rating on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Really, uh, make sure to check out our website, CrashThePond.com. Check out the Sporting Tribune. I've got an article up there right now about the free agent signings. Go check that out. Follow Jake on Twitter at ReindeerGames91. I'm on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. Find us on Blue Sky. And I'm being told I sound taller on the air. Is my height still being discussed? Interesting. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, all that being said, thank you for listening, everyone. And we will talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye.